This is World Cafe. I'm Raina Duras. Have you ever been scanning your radio dial and through the static, you catch the whisper of a melody or, or listen to the wobble and fuzz of an old cassette tape that's been played and decayed by time? There's something poignant about hearing music that way. And on their latest album, Blue Rev, Canadian band Always continue to use that kind of noise and distance to their advantage. The contrast of sometimes overwhelming walls of sound give frontwoman Molly Rankin's vocals an even more heart-wrenching sweetness. Today, Molly joins me to talk about being transported through time by music, about working in the studio with things like analog tape, and about the many experiments and inspirations that went into making their album. Our conversation is in a moment, but first, from Blue Rev, this is always Pharmacist. That song is called Pharmacist. It's by Always. It's from their latest album, Blue Rev. This is World Cafe. I'm Raina Duras, and my guest today from Always is Molly Rankin. Molly, hi. Hi. Welcome back to the World Cafe. Thank you. It's been a bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I realized that it's been almost 10 years since I first played you guys on the radio in Toronto, which kind of blew my mind. Way back to the Indy 88 days. It was a really, really long time ago. So congratulations <laughs> on the new album. Cool. Thank you so much. Nice to see you. Uh, you're semi-American now. Is that true? Yeah, I'm a Canadian living abroad in America. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it's 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 very exciting to uh, see how much love this record's getting. It's your first Always album in five years. It's been a very eventful five years. I know you started working on this album after your last one, Antisocialites, in 2017. Obviously, the pandemic threw a wrench into everything, but you also lost some of the early demos of that album. Someone took your recorder. Could you talk about what happened? 
Yeah, I don't think they really knew what they were swiping at the time, but I had left my apartment for about an hour and came back and everything was upside down. An hour? And uh, someone had come through the window and taken a bunch of stuff. And I hadn't realized until a few hours later that I had been listening to all of the demos just on on top of my bed uh, in headphones and that was not there anymore. So it was probably, I don't know. I don't know how how much storage was on that thing, but it was many, many hours of just ideas and and kind of like vocal applesauce and trial and error. So pretty embarrassing if that were ever to surface. Hopefully it's just like in a sewage drain or wherever, (laughs) corroding somewhere. (laughs) What what did you do next? Like, did you try to recreate the stuff that you had that you really liked or was it like, let's just start fresh? Well, I I had been writing songs for so long and I've always tried to just use the melodies that I can remember anyway because it's sort of a testament to the strength of that. So really what I lost was a lot of the the happy accidents, the things that, uh, the mistakes that you make that are in your normal pattern of, of playing music. You know, when you pick up a guitar and your hand just goes to the same places, that sort of, um, is something that is really hard to break out of when you're writing songs. And so a lot of that, um, some of, I, I mean, I romanticize if, you know, the amount of stuff that was lost, maybe not that much. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of ties into the way that you made this album, because I know before this record, you guys would write, you'd practice, then you'd go into the studio. And this time things were a bit more freewheeling. Did losing that and did having all that kind of time between the last album change how you wanted to approach this one? Yeah, I think in the past, since we we started small and uh, every moment in the studio had to be milked to maximum extent, um, then we had all of this spare time in our hands and became attached to all the idiosyncrasies of the demos. Alec, our guitarist, um, has really grown as a producer in his own right, so a lot of the stuff that we had before we brought it to Sean Everett in, in Los Angeles, we were quite fond of to begin with. And um, in meeting Sean and the way that he is so open to collaboration, he just allowed us to keep a lot of that strange um, sort of rough nature of, of a lot of the demos. Could you tell us a little more about Sean? Because Sean Everett has worked with artists like uh, The War on Drugs and Casey Musgraves and all sorts of people. Why was he the right fit for you guys? Well, I think that he has a really great um, grasp of the future and the past. He has a ton of experience with analog tape and uh, and really is sort of a master in that regard, but also is really into like AI music. <laughs> He's sort of like this futuristic old uh, old man almost. I heard he would run tracks through a broken tape recorder when you were working? Yeah, there was uh, some burning in the tape. Like, it was just running so hot that there was holes burning in it. I'm not sure how fruitful that was, but it does sound cool. (laughs) The next song that I want to listen to with you is After the Earthquake. This song um, caught my attention the very first time through the record. Uh, There's this great moment in uh, After the Earthquake where it it really almost feels like it's going to be, like, too much like it's gonna be too overwhelming and then you stop down suddenly and it's just your voice over you know really soft synths could you talk about that decision and and creating that moment yeah I mean I think that we were just trying to get away from some of the things that we had done before Uh, we do tend to love a dropout (laughs) 
but not halfway through the second chorus. Um, so that is a bit of a disorienting moment that we had to wrap our minds around and we weren't sure if that was going to work for quite some time. But um, yeah, it's nice to pull a rug out from under and I think that we had a lot of fun with doing that in other songs too, just taking things down strange roads that I, I, I perhaps it's just having a, a new philosophical perspective on, on the world at the time we were making it, like who really cares if we do something strange <laughs> yeah. because we didn't at that at that time we didn't know what was going to happen uh with with society as a whole <laughs> I, yeah I guess it would kind of upend you know the expectations that maybe you felt were on the band or what you had of yourself yeah there's definitely we were a bit freed by uh despair we had initially recorded some of the songs or started to record in Seattle when the pandemic changed everything and we had to immediately go back to Canada, but we ended up leaving our drummer Sheridan in the U.S. And for about a year and a half, we didn't know if we could ever get them into Canada or be a band again, really. So uh, what we did was just throw a bunch of stuff against the wall and and actually enjoy experimenting um, because we didn't know what would happen. Well, let's hear a little bit of that experimenting. Let's hear After the Earthquake. This is always on World Cafe.
This is World Cafe. I'm Raina Duris. That song you just heard is Always After the Earthquake. It's from their new album, Blue Rev, and I'm talking to Molly Rankin from Always Today. Uh, and I have to ask you, because I've seen it alluded to uh, in a few places, and I am also Canadian, is this album actually named after the blue, freezy-flavored alcoholic drink that's only available in, in yeah. Canada? <laughs> what? Okay, first, I think people need to know who are listening that it's like, this is a drink that people drink when they're pretty young. It's kind of considered gross. It tastes like blue freezies. It comes in a plastic bottle. Why did you decide to name your album after it? Actually, I think that was a pretty charitable description of that drink. That <laughs> How would you describe it? it? Yeah. I mean, it tastes like cough syrup pretty yeah. much. But I, I, and to be fair, I've never had a cold one. It's always, you know, been pulled out of someone's backpack that's been sitting in a locker all day or something. Uh, but, you know, the Blue Rev is more of a device to transport you back to uh, a mindset or a time that, you know, can just kind of trigger all these different memories. And, uh, you know, if if you were to smell, I don't know what you drank when you were in high school, if anything, but, you know, just a certain smell can really elicit this whole response of, whoa, you know, what, where was that? <laughs> what? Um but it's kind of about transporting into a different time in your life and and writing little stories about that world that you existed in. Yeah. You know, I feel like I hear that in a lot of your songs. Like there's this, um, I don't know if nostalgia is the right word, but this desire kind of to return to uh, a simpler time or your teenage years, uh, things that seem sweet in retrospect that may be we're not so sweet, like Rev. Um, there's the contrast. There's also the contrast of, of like your very sweet vocal delivery and these melodies inside a wall of sound and relentless guitars. Um, and I know your songs aren't necessarily autobiographical, but what is it about that contrast that works so well for you, that appeals to you? So I don't know. And I de definitely just had this um, relentless, melancholic kind of, persona and uh and when i think of different stories in my mind they're generally tragic because i think uh, melody can be um can come out of that in a really interesting way and uh, the most important thing to me is just the does the melody move me there's this contrast also between like in the song archie marry me for instance there's sort of this collision of this intellectual and cynical side with this desire for a, you know, quote unquote, normie mainstream uh, <laughs> thing that, you know, maybe parts of you want these different things. I was wondering if like that contrast kind of matches with like the contrast between the sound of the music and your the bittersweetness of it all. Interesting. I mean, I'm drawn to pop music, and so that can be slightly normy, I guess. Um, like, I love I love The Weeknd. That was one of my favorite records of the year. Um, and I, I don't know, it's kind of this unifying thing, Melody. But I also grew up almost in a hockey rink, uh, you know, watching my brother play hockey. And um, because my father traveled for a living... I would come with my mom for years and years and just watch hockey practices and hockey games. But I also love to paint um, and write poetry and 
all of, you know, play instruments. And so people are many different things and, and where you come from does actually kind of bleed into that. So I do, yeah, I do, I do love like the MBA <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, like macro brewed beer, <laughs> but, uh, I also have like a snobby art side that I, I find people can get really, uh, trapped in sometimes sure. like, you know, the cycle of pretentiousness and, uh, to just enjoy things, you know, there's something to be said for that too. I want to go back um, to other things from your youth that may not appeal to all tastes, like Rev, the bagpipe. You, <laughs> you grew up on the East Coast in Canada. You're from the Rankin family, a prominent folk and Celtic musical group in Canada. The bagpipe was something that you were exposed to a whole lot. Bagpipe doesn't appear on this album, but how does the idea of that instrument work its way into your music? Well, um, there's a lot of droney moments that... Um, the Korg, the specific keyboard that we use in our band and have since the very beginning provides to our sound. And it's kind of like this summoning relentless note And it. It's found in a lot of, you know, like Neil Young music, like droney guitar, uh, you know, teenage fan club, Velvet Underground, just a constant hum that uh, can, can summon all different types of things. And, uh, and that's like, I, I think, quite prevalent in... Scottish bagpipe music. So, you know, I have a lot of memories of going to wakes and funerals and weddings and uh, a place called the Gaelic College where, where Carrie and I went and learned how to step dance and, and um, sing Gaelic songs and they would wake you up with the bagpipes. And that actually happened. <laughs> that was actually something we did. <laughs> you'd, get, you'd be woken up by the, by the bagpipe in the morning. So, you know, it's linked to a whole bunch of emotions. And yeah, I mean, it it's happens in pivotal times of, of life, I think, in Cape Breton, at least. I'm speaking with Molly Rankin today of Always on World Cafe. We're going to end with the song Pomeranian Spinster. Um, <laughs> and I know the vocal used on this was from an old demo. Why was this vocal take the one you guys chose? That take, uh, it was the product of Carrie and Alec and I playing in a, a little shed that we rent out. And uh, we would just get together throughout the weeks when we are allowed to during the pandemic and jam over other recordings. And Alec just decided to start recording them. And, and he found that vocal take and nothing else could really match the carelessness of what that was. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's really hard to uh, recreate something when you're not being watched. Yeah. Um, and yeah, when, when you're conscious of, of, you know, someone hitting record it, the way that people behave, it, it, it does affect you. What can you tell us about the lyrics to this song before we hear it? Uh, I think this was sort of just like um, a product of a lot of ad-libbing and, uh, and sort of just making up gibberish. But also, I think I was channeling maybe some frustration in, the, in this song, uh, just uh, reflecting on maybe what I would have done differently. 10 years ago or something, you know, advocating for oneself in a way that uh, has been a real learning process for me. There are a lot of fan theories on the Always Reddit about what this song could be about. <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> Some people uh, think you own a Pomeranian. Some people think you're the Pomeranian in this song. Do you want to clear it up for anybody or you want to leave it a mystery? I would love to have a Pomeranian, uh, but that wouldn't really be fair to the dog. But it's more—it's uh, more a symbolic, uh, not not submitting to 
society's expectation of uh, finding a, a soulmate and, and doing that and just being totally satisfied with a poofy, yappy dog and a little apartment and going from there. This is always Pomeranian Spinster on World Cafe. From their latest album, Blue Rev, that was always Pomeranian Spinster on World Cafe. I'm Raina Duras. Molly Rankin of Always has been my guest today. Molly, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I hope I answered answered at least some of your questions. You answered all my questions. (laughs) Among the tangents. I'm Raina Duras, back in a moment with more World Cafe. (laughs) 